0: On this week's episode of the Views from the John podcast, I don't get it. There's literally people that have hung like trash on a wall in a studio in Soho and some idiot billionaire will come in and be like, hmm, that's an interesting piece of trash on the wall. 50 grand. It's, dude, like seriously people like will stick a banana peel to the wall in an art gallery and be like that's art bro like that's deep it's like no you stuck a fucking banana peel to a wall is weatherman and why do i okay sorry i said weatherman that is so unappropriate weather people weather people trigger me why because they're friggin nerds they get so excited they get excited like a kid on Christmas morning when they see that there's thunderstorms in the forecast or there's a nor'easter or there's a snowstorm coming. These weather nerds get excited about it like they're a five-year-old. And then they get their forecast, you know, they come on TV around five o'clock while you're in the middle of Family Guy and they're like, big storm coming. Everybody freak out. Tune in at 11. I grew up in the 80s with Top Gun. Who, who didn't want to be Maverick, you know? Who didn't want to rock that F-14 Tomcat and shoot Iceman out of the sky with a, with, with a Scud missile? I'm, I'm, I'm old, man. I feel like telling people I called Collect was like, you know, our grandfather telling us that he came over on the Titanic. You know, you're just looking at us like, you did what? guy in a movie or whatever the frig was on go. You know, it really doesn't need to be said, but here's what I have to say anyways. It's like, bro, if it doesn't need to be said, then why the fuck are we saying it? Are you tired of looking at your old wrinkly crinkly, just busted ass in the mirror. Well, come on down to our euthanization center where we can euthanize you and turn you into that youthful-looking self that you used to see in the mirror mirror 20 years ago, jackass. But you're psychologically broken, where you have this disease. Call it asshole disease. We're just... You know, in a spot that doesn't require anybody to act like an asshole, you gladly raise your hand and step up to that challenge and play the asshole. Maybe people are like that because they're so fucking miserable with their own existence that any glimmer of happiness that happens to appear in anyone else's life around them, they have to pop it they're like, fuck that shit. If I can't be happy, there ain't nobody else is going to be happy. And they're just popping everyone's balloons. If you want to catch me at my mellowest and like most honest, it's in the morning, like the first half hour after I wake up. uh, You could pretty much tell me you, you know, murdered my entire family. I'm just going to be like, tell me more. Outside Boston. Well, it wasn't long before the story of John's little miracle was sweeping the nation. Out of a Boston suburb comes what is without a doubt the most incredible story. Yeah, last time we saw you, I mean, you did threaten to blast him full of buckshot, you cocked the shotgun and everything. Yeah, well, what can I say? John just has that effect on people. Yeah, I guess he does. Give a oh, welcome to John. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, John Ares, And thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Views from the John podcast, episode number 66. And when I hear the numbers, 66, uh, it makes me want to put one more six on the end. Six, six, six. Ooh, isn't that the number of the beast? I wonder why. That's uh, you know, Mr. Satan's favorite number six 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 seems a little bit high, doesn't it? You know, what's your favorite number? Ah, oh, I've always been partial to seven. Oh yeah, my number, my favorite number is eleven. That was my football number in school. Yeah, I'm kind of partial to sixty nine. Yeah. What's your favorite number, Mr. Demon? Six hundred and sixty six. Holy shit, that's a big number. You know, have you ever been asked what your favorite color is? You know, somebody might say, ah, my favorite color is blue or black or green or red. And somebody's like, hey, my favorite color is chartreuse or burgundy. You know, it's it's like asking somebody their favorite number. They're like, yeah, my favorite number is 6,375,284 and 21 says. I don't know. Anyways, this Could be the earliest I've ever recorded a podcast. It's uh, like 7.30 in the morning. My ass is usually not awake at this time, but it is. And uh, I recorded a podcast, another one, the second one in a row by myself yesterday. And I was a little bit, uh, I was in angry Johnny mode yesterday. So everything that spilled out of me on the podcast was one long rant. And uh, somebody that I'm close friends with had to remind me that he thinks that's where I'm best is when I get really amped up and I just rant and talk shit about a subject uh, or myself, because I like to self deprecate on myself. Uh, he, he's like, you know, you, you kind of have the Bill Burr style, where Burr, a lot of his comedy is just, uh, he just talk shit about himself and you know other things or things he's gone through in a really ranty like cunty sort of way and I, I think that's just the Bostonian or mass masshole way of just you know telling stories or so that's how I was I kind of returned to my roots yesterday and I did record an episode uh without Josh for the second week and uh, I don't know Yesterday I was uh, I was fired up. A lot of people were uh, poking me with sticks. Or life was poking me with a numerous amount of sticks yesterday, and my tolerance for being poked with sticks by life is pretty high. But uh, you know, when life sticks a stick up your butt, you know, it's like all right, you know. But you know, when there's certain people in my life that like to jab me with sticks, it's like there's no reason for it. I, I just want to haul off and cold clock you, you know. But this in particular person, you know, just lived a little bit too far for me to get into a confrontation with. Anyways, so yes, uh, today is actually December 37th, 2020. Everybody was telling me when the new year would hit, when 2021 would hit, everything was just gonna get so much better. And it hasn't. So I feel like the new year hasn't hit here quite yet. So I'm still stuck in December. December 37th, to be uh, specific, in 2020. You know, the calendar flipped over, but nothing else has changed. I apologize. When I watch these podcasts back, not because I'm fucking obsessed with myself, but because I have to play editor and producer and I have to edit this shit. so I have to watch it back and I have to look at my ugly friggin face on this video camera while I'm doing it. and I notice something that like I always have a drink in my hand and I'm always like this as I'm talking, but you'd hardly ever see me sip. You know why that is? Because I've been you know trained, even though I didn't go to broadcasting school that there should never be any dead air. You don't want to hear, a, you know, a second or two of just silence. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. What am I supposed to do when I'm drinking, you know? I don't have Robin Quivers here. I don't have Josh Ryder here, you know? <laughs> Anyways, uh, really quick, You guys might be wondering, what's going on with your podcast, dude? You had this great co-host named Josh Ryder. He wasn't with you last week. He's not with you this week. What's going on? Well, let me be candid. Um... I really don't know, to be honest with you. All I know is that Josh is a great friend of mine. Uh, it's not like we got put together on this podcast by some kind of, you know, talent agency. All right, we're just we're just old school buddies. Uh, I had this podcast. I invited him on as a guest, and we kind of clicked, and the, you know, the rest has been history. But, anyways, uh, Josh, like a lot of us out there, is going through a tough time and uh, Josh just needs to find himself. He needs to play monk, Uh, he needs to find solitude, Uh, he's getting something done this week that he's been kind of worked up about for a while. Uh, As a matter of fact, he might be going through it literally as I record this. So just send your prayers and blessings to Josh. Josh is going to be fine. It's just, you know, life's given him a real kick in the balls lately. And we fully support him and we will welcome him back on this show whenever he is feeling up to it. But for the time being, You know, Josh is just, uh, Josh needs to handle Josh for a while and concentrate on that instead of concentrating on this piece of dog shit show that we call the views from the toilet, right? Uh, what's up for next? Um, I, you know what? I I bitched about everything I'm talking about right now yesterday in such a crazy way, and uh, because you caught me early in the morning and I haven't even sucked down my first ounce of coffee yet, I'm really mellow. If you want to catch me at my mellowest in like most honest, it's in the morning, like the first half hour after I wake up. Uh, you could pretty much tell me you you know murdered my entire family. I'm just gonna be like, tell me more, you know. <laughs> I'm real chill in the mornings and then uh as the day goes on and life continues to irritate me and my you know irritation level just goes through the roof. So when you catch me at about, you know, nine o'clock tonight, I will be ready to murder some motherfuckers. Okay. That's just what happens. You know, I start off the morning fresh, you know, the birds are chirping, the sun's shining, everything's copacetic. And then as the day and morning goes on, different people and things just annoy the fucking hell out of me. And then by the time it gets to be the evening, I'm just, I'm literally ready to snap a motherfucker's neck in half. Um, so anyways, yes. Um, we have, we had some special guest hosts lined up for the month of January 2021, but because I can't get into 2021, I don't know if we're, no, um, I had three special guests lined up. One of the special guests um, has made an appearance before on this show. I consider him a close friend of mine. Uh, he bounces back and forth between, um, I have no time to be your friend and your podcast sucks to every now and then he's like, hey, I had a great time doing it. I'd like to do it again. So when I had some free slots open up uh, for January, this is back in early December, I put the word out. Hey, everybody, if you want to come on the show, I got a couple guest slots for January. And they filled up quickly. And then one of these people uh, even committed to a date. He even committed to a pre-production date where we were going to talk about what we were going to talk about. You know, kind of plan some shit out. And uh, the other day, he's like, you know what, dude? I'm too fucking busy. Your podcast just sucks way too much. I'm really not interested. And I'm like, but buddy, you're the one that wanted to come on the show. You even chose a date. You chose a time. You chose a pre-production meeting date and time. But I think that was the night he stopped by my house and he was a little intoxicated. So, yeah, that was kind of a kick in my ass, you know? It's 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 tough enough thinking you have a really bad podcast, but like when you're like one of your best friends literally cancels on you because he's just so uninterested in doing it, it's like it's a kick in the nuts, dude. So yeah, that was one of the things that had me kind of you know a little bit disappointed and fired up that like my own close group of friends can't even tolerate this podcast enough to come on as a guest i think it's friggin hilarious but you know what the more shit people talk about me in this podcast and the fact that i'm not funny and i'm never going to have a stand-up career blah 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 the more bulletin board material that you people give me you know it it just makes me want to go harder at it i'm not going to quit doing this as much as it might irritate some of you out there if you don't like it don't listen don't watch you know? But we're going to get into that a little bit later. There's, there's a dude that's semi in my life, and I really try hard not to have him in my life because he's just, I view him as a far right nut job, okay? And, uh, you know, he brings more toxicity into my life than uh, I need. I don't need drama, I don't need people's shit talking, not because they're funny, but because they like to poke sticks. You know, I don't need that kind of trash in my life. You know, and this kid occasionally slips in and out of my consciousness and you know the kid's got a freaking Napoleon complex, dude. I don't know what it is. Do you guys know anybody out there like that? Maybe not somebody who specifically has a Napoleon complex because they're small, but you know, I, I think every one of us knows a guy out there that just likes to put everybody down. It doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing. If you tell a group of people that you're having a lot of success with this hobby or you love doing this, this is the guy who's going to talk shit about it and try to be funny and put you down. Whatever you like, you could love the karate kid. He's going to hate it. If you're voting for Biden, he's voting for Trump. Whatever you love, he loves to just stick a knife in it and just like deflate it. Like if, like seriously, if you could equate your happiness to like a giant helium filled balloon, this is the jackass that comes along with a knife and just likes to pop it just for the sake. I don't know. Maybe people are like that because they're so fucking miserable with their own existence that any glimmer of happiness that happens to appear in anyone else's life around them, they have to pop it they're like, fuck that shit. If I can't be happy, there ain't nobody else is going to be happy. And they're just popping everyone's balloons. This is who you are, bro. You're not funny. I can at least admit that my ass ain't funny, but I'm still doing a podcast, despite of it. But you're really not funny, okay? And you think you're being funny, but what you're really doing is just being an asshole. There's a difference between roasting somebody and busting their balls and kind of giving them a hard time out of love and just being an asshole. And what you're doing is just flat out being an asshole. And the funniest but also equally most... Irritating part of it is that he thinks he gets under my skin and that's why like I ghost him. And it's like you don't get under my skin in the sense that like like you think you're hurting me by the things that you're saying and that gives you great satisfaction, but I'm here to say that I'm not hurt or triggered by anything you say or think. You could literally live forever or die this instant and I truly couldn't give a rat's ass which. What irritates me about you isn't what you say, it's just the fact that you're one of these guys that I just described who I think is so secretly miserable in your own life that you literally have to talk shit to anybody in anything you encounter. There's something psychologically broken in you, bro, that has to do that. And it ain't cool. And you can make fun of it or me all you want, dude. But you're psychologically broken where you have this disease. Call it asshole disease. We're just... You know, in a spot that doesn't require anybody to act like an asshole, you gladly raise your hand and step up to that challenge and play the asshole. So congratulations, man. A lot of people don't like you and don't want to be around you because you're just an asshole, you know, plain and simple. That's that guy. So, anyways, uh, on to my next topic. Uh, There is one special guest that did not cancel on me. He's been watching me uh, from afar. He's really happy about what I'm doing. You know, Um, you know. Let's face it here. Okay, I'm only. A little over a year into this podcast in a stand-up comedy career. And I'm not a spring chicken here, people. So, you know, even though I am, you know, friends with and talk to some pretty famous comics, I'm not at that level yet. And ever since COVID, I have not been on a stage, people, and done stand-up in a club with real paying people since March of 2020. I've done stand-up on a sidewalk, I've done it in a parking lot, I've done it virtually, but it's it's not the same. It's weird. Uh, what COVID has done to the comedy and podcasting scene has pretty much leveled the field. If you had no experience, to 10 years experience, everybody just got sent down at the bottom rung. The only people who were able to survive COVID without touring or continued to tour, people like Burt Kreischer and uh, Dave Chappelle and uh, Joe Rogan, uh, you know Bill Burr. Those kind of top-level guys were able to just keep doing their shit. But anybody mid-level or down, we've had like a year off. And until shit opens back up, man, you know, you're going to continue to have comics that are just not doing what makes them happy, and that's being on a stage telling dick and shit jokes, right? So, uh, anyways, some of us that were newbies to this scene, because the scene has gone away for the past year of COVID, uh, have quit, while others of us, instead of complaining about COVID and the lockdown, have continued to create, and that's me. I didn't give up on this podcast, because COVID hit. It's my only outlet, you know, to try to, uh, you know feel noticed and you know I think I came to the self realization that that's why I'm doing this. I think my whole life even though this isn't true, perception is reality to people. And my reality is is my whole life I have felt misunderstood and completely unnoticed. Like if I were just to slip away into the like night tonight I don't think anybody would notice or really, you know, miss me. You know what I'm saying? I feel invisible to the people in my life and to the world. Nobody knows who John Ares is and all the good things John's done and can do and could give to the world. Like nobody knows who I am and if you do, you don't give a shit. And that bothers me. It's, it's it's a sickening feeling to live your life, like me, where you really truly do feel unnoticed by everybody around you. And that, and I just want the world to know who I am. I want to feel appreciated. I want to feel noticed. I want to make people laugh. I want to make positive changes in my life. Since the very first day of this podcast and my stand-up comedy ventures, I wanted to make people laugh, but I also wanted to do material that gave people uh, maybe a different way to see things. I wanted people to uh, laugh, but also be like, ah, you know what? I never thought about it that way. And then make a positive change. Because I don't have to tell you guys what comic did that for me. A lot of Bill Burr's comedy, man, is hilarious. And there's a moral to the story of a lot of the bits that he tells. Which is like self reflection. Like, look at the stupid shit I did because I was an idiot. And it kind of makes you go, wow, that's funny, but it, it you know, it, so that's the kind of comedy that inspires me. Not people talking shit about other people, because I, you know, I think there's certain comedians out there that actually, um, are more of, you know, people with a microphone performing hate speech as opposed to actually doing stand-up comedy. There's a difference. And sometimes, you know, uh, when you're super unexperienced like me, you know, I thought by watching Bill Burr for 15 years and Dave Chappelle and all this shit that I had, like, some kind of doctorate in stand-up comedy. But when I went to do my first open mic, man, I couldn't have turned people off more. I was doing everything about it wrong. And, you know, I thought I knew what the fuck I was doing until you get up there. And then there's other people that like to comment on stand-up comedy who have literally never tried it like I have the last year. They haven't gone to New York City and done it like I have. Um, You know, everybody thinks they know something about something until you actually do it. I was a huge fan of it and, and, and studied it and then tried it. And when I tried it, I realized I didn't know what the hell I'm doing. But the same guy I was talking about earlier, the guy who just likes to be an asshole for the sake of being an asshole, you know he he's also one of these like cliff claven guys from cheers the guy who thinks he knows everything about everything and, you know and even though he's got no foot in stand up comedy you know you know he seems to be the authority on what's funny what's not funny how to do a bit how to get a setup and a punchline and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, dude, you are so arrogant because I literally studied this shit. And then when I first took the stage at my first open mic, I realized I didn't have the first idea what I was doing. There is so much that goes on when a comic is on stage, that it would just blow your mind, from your facial expressions to your body language, to whether you have the mic in the stand or not, to what you're doing with your hands, uh, whether you smile or not, um, your voice, whether it's soft and monotone or whether, you know, your pace, your cadence, um, how you're setting up the joke. What I was doing when I was first doing stand-up is I was doing way too hardcore of material that didn't come from a place of uh, reality or truth. Um, just, for a sake, uh, just for the sake of comedy and an example to show you just how dumb I was, okay, I live in an extremely liberal far-left kind of city where everything triggers everybody. And this is where I chose to start doing stand-up comedy, a place where people get triggered by fucking anything. And I'm one of these guys that really doesn't give a shit. I keep hearing about gender identity crises, okay? And I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm not sensitive to people who really, truly Can like think to themselves, I don't know what gender I am. They can look down and they can see an appendage or not, but you know, in their head, they're still confused. If that's truly how somebody is, um, you have my sympathy and empathy. Okay, I understand that a gender identity crisis is a real thing, but the comic part of me thinks to myself, "Holy shit, a gender identity crisis! Like, isn't a crisis when like a like a hospital is on fire?" That's a crisis. So, you know, without knowing how to get a crowd immediately on your side and interested in you the second you walk on stage, there's a tactic to doing that. I would just go up there like a bull in a china shop and be like, hey, everybody, what's with these fucking uh, a gender identity crisis? A crisis, really? A crisis is like a car on fire, you know? And people are just like, what? You know? I (laughs) would... I was going about it completely wrong there there seriously is a a magic formula that like the average person just doesn't understand that comics have to develop this skill um, you, you know it It's almost like doing magic tricks and shit. There's like subliminal shit that you can be doing with your body and your face that gets people to be more receptive to what you're saying. There is a art form to it that I didn't even understand as a huge fan and student of the game. You know, I don't know what my point is of that, but... uh, Anyways, I have some guests. No, I did have some guests. I have one guest coming on the podcast who's a New York City stand-up comic. This guy actually had to follow Bill Burr at Caroline's in New York City. This guy likes doing that kind of stuff. He wants to follow the heavyweights. Um, so anyways, this guy, um, I don't want to give away his name. I don't know, blah, 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 blah. blah. But he's booked. He's going to be on the podcast uh, the third week of January. Uh, I I think it's going to be episode 68 or 9 by then, but my buddy Rob, he's based out of Hartford, Connecticut now, New York City comic, knows all the players, we are going to have a fucking great time chilling with Rob. Um, Anyways, let's move on. Uh, What else do I got? What else do I got? What else do I got? All right. (sighs) I want to talk about euthanizing for a minute. Anyone know what euthanizing is? You know, see, I, 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 I don't know what to do. I don't like the dead air, but I got to sip my coffee. Already, this coffee is only a couple ounces done. And I'm um, sucking wind here. And, uh, you know, I don't like how I have to sip it and, you know, irritate you people with the silence and the sipping in the ear. Um, euthanization. You know, there's there's some words in the English language that are just a little bit too on the nose, and then there's other words and terms in the English language that just, you know, really sugarcoat something. And, you know, euthanization is one of those things. Like, if you didn't know what euthanization was, doesn't it sound like it's a spa treatment? You know, you, I, I mean, I can literally hear and see the commercial, you know, one of these friggin' beauty commercials. Are you tired of looking at your old, wrinkly, Crinkly, just busted ass in the mirror. Well, come on down to our euthanization center. where We can euthanize you and turn you into that youthful-looking self that you used to see in the mirror, the mirror 20 years ago, jackass. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Euthanization to me sounds like it's a friggin' process to make you look younger. Euthanize. Let's euthanize them. Let's let's turn them into the youthful-looking person they were. But in actuality, to euthanize. Is to murder like an animal, right? Don't we euthanize dogs and cats that have cancer and shit like that? It's a horrible thing, you know. <laughs> so while there's some words that are a little bit too on the nose, you got a word like euthanize, which is basically a very pretty word to describe putting a dog or cat to sleep or murdering it. You know, it's a little bit too nice of a word, you know, to euthanize somebody. Um, <coughs> I thought of this after I recorded the first version of this uh, episode last night while I was drifting off to sleep because I heard somebody say it on the TV as my eyes were closed and I thought to myself that is such a stupid saying because okay just listen to this I I thought I wrote it down last night and I never did and thankfully I remembered it when I woke up this morning but People like to say this next phrase or quote, and then they literally go against the quote that they just said. And let me set it up for you. They'll say, uh, it goes without saying, but Christmas is a special time of year. Like, they'll say, it goes without saying, but I'm just going to say what I told you that it goes without saying. Does that make any sense to you? You're basically saying, it goes without saying, but I'm going to say what I just told you goes without having to say it. Like, why the fuck do we... You're basically saying... You know, I shouldn't have to say what I'm about to say and I know I shouldn't say it, but here I go when I'm saying it. You're basically saying, you know, it doesn't need to be said, but the sky is blue. It's like if it doesn't need to be said, then why the fuck are you saying it? That's 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 my mind. I'm, I'm laying in bed last night with the TV on and I hear a guy in a movie or whatever the frig was on go, you know, it really doesn't need to be said, but here's what I have to say anyways, it's like, bro, if it doesn't need to be said, then why the fuck are we saying it? I don't get it. All right, moving on. Have you guys ever showered in a phone booth? Do you guys even know what a phone booth is? Uh, kids these days, you guys don't understand what it was like living in a world. Before, there were cellular phones. When you had to call somebody and you weren't at your house, you had to seek out a payphone. You had to insert a dime or 25 cents, whatever the hell it was. You guys ever called collect before? I'm telling you, I feel like, uh, you know... I'm, I'm I'm old, man. I feel like telling people I called Collect was like, you know, our grandfather telling us that he came over on the Titanic. You know, you're just looking at us like, you did what? What the fuck is calling Collect? A payphone? What the fuck? A payphone? You mean an iPhone that you pay for? No. Friggin' phones. There used to be phones in phone booths. You know, Superman. You know, Keanu Reeves. Not Keanu Reeves. Christopher Reeves. Are they related? I don't know. Anyways, Superman. You know, he used to change in a phone booth or whatever. The reason I'm saying showering in a phone booth is because I have a shower that is only a shower. It's just a stall. It ain't a bathtub. As a matter of fact, I don't know, three, four episodes ago, you literally saw a video of me in my shower. It's super, super small. I'm a five foot nine and three quarters guy that weighs about a hundred and fifty five pounds, and I'm too big for this friggin' shower. It's basically I'm like showering in a tube, okay, and. What are some of the challenges of showering in a fucking tube? Well, I'll tell you, you got no room. I told you guys over the summer, as I was soaping up the bottom of one of my feet, I was standing on one foot that was already soaked up, and I literally slid and fell out of the shower, nearly cracking my head open on the fucking toilet, okay? I, I have so many problems in this shower. Um, you know, I can't even use a loofah in there because it's like too big and it's like clanking off the walls and shit i'm like like literally i'm like this in the shower i can't even friggin move or turn around at it you know you ever seen will smith and elf when he's in the shower and it, it just you know i feel like this shower was made for like mini me and like i'm in it right and one of one of the biggest problems i have is that like when i'm in the middle of showering especially when I have like soap in my eyes and shit and I can't see, I'll go to like move in my elbow or some shit will actually hit the temperature knob in the shower and I don't even realize it. So my eyes are full of soap and next thing I know, I have like 150 degree water hitting me or I've hit it the other way and now the water's ice fucking cold. And when you aren't expecting that, you're just sitting there soaping your shit up and you're just like, fuck. You know, it's either you know, it's either 150 degrees and your skin's melting, or it's friggin' 40 degrees. You know, ah, oh, it's terrible. Do you guys ever have that happen, or am I the only motherfucker these days living in a house that has a shower that's fit for friggin' mini me? Honest to God, you know, I don't get it. Do all these little irritating things just happen to me? Am I the only guy that showers every day with the like real risk and fear of either, you know, freezing myself or burning myself? Because my shower is so small that I repeatedly hit the friggin' temperature control, you know? And it isn't one of those knobs either. If it was a knob, there'd be like no way I could really hit that. It's like a lever. That moves really flimsily. So if you just graze that thing, you know, literally you'll be showering and then all of a sudden, like the shower turns white hot and you're like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Oh, it's crazy. Next thing I want to talk about is... Uh, the jet going over my house. Oh my God! It's the end of the world. There's no, no, no. there's an air force base that lives near here that uh, flies the F-15 Fighting Eagles, and uh, true story, the uh, the air force base that's near here. The uh, like the outer marker of the approach end of the runway is literally within a mile of this house. So when these planes take off and land, like F-15 fighter jets full afterburner, they're like uh, uh, 1,500 feet over my house. So it gets a little loud with fighter jets around here. And if you know, and if you're not. Uh, if you're not from America or, you know, you're not used to the sound of fighter jets whipping around, it could be kind of scary because, you know, fighter jets are associated with the sound of war and scary stuff. But I don't know, man. I spent the majority of my life wanting to be a pilot, you know. I grew up in the 80s with Top Gun. Who, who didn't want to be Maverick, you know? Who didn't want to rock that F-14 Tomcat and shoot Iceman out of the sky with a, with, with a Scud missile? About the Scud missile jokes with the New England Patriots, who's seen more Scud missiles than Iraq? The Patriot reporter—something happened in like the Gulf War where like uh, some. Female reporter was in the New England Patriots' locker room, and uh, you know all the big black dudes were standing there with their danglings out and like the reporter got all triggered and shit and then like there was a joke that came out about it about who saw more scud missiles uh you know this reporter's name or Iraq or Iran or you know. Iraq, Iran, whatever, you know, frickin' Middle East. Uh, So, yeah, hypecasters. What are hypecasters? Well, hypecasters are uh, frickin' everybody. The news. The news hypes the shit out of people. The news scares everybody. You know, I've talked about it before. You guys are probably well aware of it. It doesn't matter if you're watching MSNBC, CNN, Fox News they like to scare the shit out of people. They like to make up fake news. Uh, news reporting isn't about the facts anymore. It's about what they can do to trigger you. You know, I swear to God, man, y- you want to talk about conspiracies. I used to talk so much shit about conspiracy theorists and that kind of stuff. And there are some crazy people out there like the dude who recently, uh, Didn't he steal some of the vaccine, or he blew up a place that had the vaccine because he was convinced that one of the vaccines that were being given in the United States has alien DNA in it? And, you know, it is funny at one, one side of me wants to laugh at the doctor that's blowing up or stealing vaccines because he's convinced that the government's put alien DNA in it part of me wants to laugh but the other part of me that kind of took the blue pill or red pill whatever pill it is over the summer part of me actually believes that there that that's a realm of possibility that you know people like to talk about conspiracy theorists and blah 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 but i'm not so naive to think that there isn't some real shady shit that goes on behind the curtain so to speak and that you know human beings are literally just pawns to the, to the people that hold all the cards like the government and that kind of stuff and there's shit going on like just think about it everything that we were taught in school right is that really the history of the world we're just we just know what they want us to know. We've been taught and shown what they wanted to teach us and show us. What's been left out of the history books? What does our government have for technology? And what are they doing that they don't feel the people need to know about? You don't think anything's going on behind the curtain, so to speak? You think everything is just black and white? You don't think we have our own UFOs and shit? You don't think we've been to other dimensions and star systems and, you know, you know we're but they're telling the people that we're having trouble getting to the moon or mars dude I tell this story to people all the time and I should probably back it up with a little bit more facts like the guy's name but whoever the guy is that literally found the location for Area 51 like before they even built that secret military installation in the in the Nevada desert this certain like genius doctorate guy like he's the one that thought of the base he's the one that designed it he's the one that like engineered it he's the one that found the site for it And on this guy's deathbed, and this guy had top secret information above anybody else. This guy ran Area 51. He knew everything that was going on in that desert. And on this guy's deathbed, and one of these days I'll remember his friggin' name, on his deathbed he gave a confessional that was supposedly 100% true. Why would the dude lie? He's on his deathbed. He's like, I'm dying. What are they going to do? Court martial me? He said in... This is at the time that he died, which I want to say was 10, 20, 25 years ago. He said that the U.S. government has technology buried in the Nevada desert that far exceeds anything that you've ever seen on Star Trek or Star Wars. Think about that for a minute. You want to talk about light speed, lightsabers, black holes, fucking with interdimensional beings. I mean, you name it. And, like, we've attempted it. And then here we are thinking that, like, you know, I don't know, dude. So as crazy as conspiracy theories are, Just like stereotypes, I believe there's some truth actually in there, right? But anyways, let's get back to hypecasters. What you guys know? What pisses me off about the news? The news. There's never any good news. You turn on the nightly news, and there's just no good news stories. It's death, doom, gloom, destruction, protest. Trump did this. Biden's going to do that. You, You know, panic everybody. You know, seriously. If I were to be forced to watch the news every night, I would probably end up hanging myself because it's just like they're just, you know, I keep telling people this, that it's like you shouldn't sweat shit that you can't control. Like, I used to get freaked out about whether it was going to be sunny tomorrow or not, and then it's like I stopped worrying about shit that I can't control. Like, what is the point in flipping out about what Trump is doing or about uh, monoliths or about, uh, you know anybody or anything. If you can't control it, then why are you gonna get all triggered by it, you know? Focus on the shit that you can control. If something isn't kindling joy with you, like the news, turn it off. If something is triggering you, then tune it out. You know what I'm saying? You know, just because you think something is offensive to you, it doesn't mean it needs to get canceled for the rest of the world. Not everybody has to think like you or be offended by what you're offended by. But anyways, I hate the news. And what do I hate almost even more than the news is weatherman. And why do I, okay, sorry, I said weatherman. That is so inappropriate. Weather people. Weather people trigger me. Why? Because they're frigging nerds. They get so excited. They get excited like a kid on Christmas morning. When they see that there's thunderstorms in the forecast, or there's a nor'easter, or there's a snowstorm coming, these weather nerds get excited about it like they're a five year old. And then they get their forecast. You know, they come on TV around five o'clock while you're in the middle of Family Guy, and they're like, big storm coming. Everybody freak out. Tune in at 11, and everybody freaks out. Everybody goes down to the frigging grocery store, buys up all the milk, eggs, bread, butter, and friggin' water for a couple inches of snow because these hype-casting weather people just scare the shit out of people. Why? Because they're nerds. They're weather geeks, and weather turns them on like a supermodel turns me on as a heterosexual. And what they end up doing is because they get so excited, it's going to snow, or there's going to be thunderstorms, that people freak out. Because to a lot of people, the weather is everything. And I'm telling you, people around here, even though it's Boston, it's the East United States, it snows every other day. When the weather people get on the friggin' news stations, and they're like, yep, we got snow coming, people freak the fuck out. Because these weather people are hype casters i 'm telling you, dude, uh, over the summer, I was in contact with a kid that had a legitimate fear of thunderstorms he doesn 't like them he he's he 's scared by thunderstorms, and I know that 's funny for an adult man to be scared of thunderstorms, but hey, you know i 'm scared of dentists okay so whatever he's scared of thunderstorms so anyways um he knew that uh, you know i was like an amateur weather guy so every time there was thunderstorms in the forecast this guy would be hitting me up panicking like holy shit, we got a storm coming there's a severe thunderstorm watch and you know it's not necessarily the weather that freaked him out It's when these weather forecasting nerds see that like we have some thunderstorms building up, they start telling people there's going to be a tornado. Why are they telling people that there's going to be a tornado? Not because there really is a chance that there could be one, but because for these nerds, the chance of a tornado is like saying that, hey, my girlfriend might take off her bra tonight. You know what I'm saying? These weather forecasts are nerds, and the idea of a gigantic snowstorm or a friggin' tornado turns these weather nerds on, and they get excited, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna have tornadoes. And then the people at home, like you, hear that that we're gonna have tornadoes and severe thunderstorms, and it's gonna rain cows and friggin' snakes. And then the people go batshit, because the weather nerds hype cast this shit up, just like the friggin', you know, Fox News and MSNBCs and CNNs do, you know, they trigger people, because, see, I'm telling you, it it, it really isn't a big secret, people, and this is why I just, I don't understand why anybody watches the news, I really don't, because if you're watching Fox News, they're just telling you what you want to hear. If you're watching CNN, they're just telling you what you want to hear. When none of it is fact, it's all opinion, it's, it's just crazy to me. Like, OK, um, what if, as a level of control, and this is a conspiracy theory, but just think about it. Can you be open-minded for a second? Okay, if you can be open-minded for a second, just think about this. Okay, have you ever read the Art of War? There's a lot of books about the Art of War, but there's one in particular book, The Art of War. How do you break down uh, an enemy? You you divide them. When you divide people up, they're weaker because we're stronger together. So what has American news been doing to the American people, especially the last four years? They've been creating and triggering people with fake news, exaggerated news, false this and that, and they fire people up and they get people at each other's throat. The news is become a tool to divide and conquer. It's an art of war tactic. They are using our United States news stations to rile up the people and divide us over politics, race, religion, you name it. It's a tool to divide the American people so we're literally at each other's throat. Because when there's mass confusion and everybody's arguing about Trump or Biden or whose life matters, then a lot of shit can be snuck by us, can it? It re, Read it, The Art of War. You want to you fuck up your people and take complete control? Divide and conquer. That's what they're doing. Look at how many of us are at each other's throat be, because of what we're being fed on the news. You want to become one country and get everybody on the same page, then we all collectively need to tune out the news and start thinking up here with the God-given brain that we were given. Don't buy everything you hear and see on the news as being fact. Don't. I don't know why you people fill your head with it. Do you think now that Trump's out of office, all of a sudden, all of our lives are going to get better? Bullshit. Biden can't think... Biden doesn't know where he is half the time. The guy's been in politics 80 years. He's a billionaire white man. Do you think he gives a fuck about any of us or this country? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Nothing's going to change. And I'm not saying shit would be any better if Trump was still in office, but I'm just saying, man, if you think anything's going to get better because somehow, you know, Biden's in office... You, you, you <laughs> You guys are fucking crazy. All right, what's next? Frank Sinatra. Old, what did they used to call him? Old Blue Eyes? Frankie Sinatra used to chill. Okay, listen. I don't know much about Frank Sinatra, but I do know that there's a Frank Sinatra song. I don't even know if he actually wrote this song, but he definitely covered it. I'm not sure if he's the originator of this song. But there is this Frank Sinatra song that he does, and it's featured in a movie called um, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, which had Robin Williams in it. I want to say that movie came out in, like, 90 or 91. Uh, but in the movie Miss Doubtfire, there's a Frank Sinatra song. And all these years, I've been singing the lyrics to this song wrong. All these years, I've been singing it um, um must be a lady with me. Dun, 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 dun. I've seen the other guys you've been with must be a lady with me. So all this time I thought Frankie, Frankie Blue Eyes was singing about like, you know, you must be a lady when you're with Frank. Like that's what I thought it was. I thought he was saying must be a lady. Because, and it made sense to me, like, if you're chilling or you're like Frank Sinatra's lady, you got to act like a lady. You know, you can't be spreading your shit all over the casino when you're with Frankie Blue Eyes, you know what I'm saying? So like, you know, if you're going to be Frankie's lady, you got to act like a lady, you know, must be a lady. But as it turns out, um, Mrs. Doubtfire was on the Uh, TV the other day and I had closed captioning on. And when the Frank Sinatra song came on, I made the realization 30 years after I've been doing it wrong that he's not saying must be a lady. He's saying luck be a lady. So evidently he's talking about, you know, lady luck or whatever. So all these friggin' years, I'm thinking that Frank's talking about how if you're going to be his lady, you got to be ladylike. Must be a lady. But he's not saying that. He's talking about luck being a lady. It's not must. It's luck. You guys ever do that? You guys ever think that, you know... A song had these lyrics or that lyrics, and then one day you actually read or see the lyrics and you realize that you've been saying it wrong this whole time. It's amazing. Try doing what I've done. Over the last year, because I watch a lot of TV, uh, like in the background, I have closed captioning on. So for the last year, I've been watching everything with closed captioning on. And it's amazing how many different songs and movies I've come across where I thought the characters said one thing, but when you have closed captioning, captioning on, you realize, holy shit, they actually weren't saying what I thought they were saying. Uh, what did I do over this weekend, really quick? Um, if you guys are Karate Kid fans, I'm talking the original Karate Kid with uh, Mr. Miyagi, Pat Morita, and uh, Daniel son, you know, uh, Johnny Lawrence, those guys. If you were a fan of the Karate Kid the original Karate Kid in the 80s, you gotta see Cobra Kai on Netflix. The new season, season three just came out and it is absolutely phenomenal. I binged it all day on uh, New Year's Day, uh, December 32nd and it's amazing. This third season has got the best writing and the best uh, acting that I have seen yet out out of a show. Sorry about that. I had to interrupt the podcast and just pause it for a minute because somebody was at the door the nervous. some people knocking at my door at 9.52. I should be sound asleep. Anyways, yeah, uh, over the weekend, I binged, uh, over the holiday weekend, I binged Cobra Kai Season 3, and like I was trying to say, the the writing and the acting and the storyline uh, is, just, is just phenomenal. Uh, just like The Mandalorian is so incredible to me because I grew up on Star Wars movies, um, you know, growing up on the three- Epic Karate Kid original movies. Uh, You know, what am I trying to say? (laughs) Ah, I've had too much coffee. All right. What I'm trying to say is that, you know, the Mandalorian is to Star Wars fans what Cobra Kai is to fans of the original Karate Kid series is what I'm trying to say. It's, it's that good. You know, ep, you know, season one was good. Season two got even better. Season three, all of the actors in the writing, it, they're just crushing it. Um, I'm going to admit something. Um, I'm not a guy who cries ever, ever. Um, I really don't. I think I suppress it. I think it would probably do me good to cry way more often than I do, but I, I, I hardly ever cry. I can, I can actually probably tell you that two or three times that I've cried in the last 10, 12 years, I, I really suppress it. Uh, the state of my life would give me every uh, inclination and reason to just cry every day, just day and night, just how miserable shit is for me, but I really tend to suppress it. I'm not a crier, but every now and then there'll be a part in a movie or a song all here that or like a really inspiring video I might see on YouTube that, you know, tugs real hard at those heartstrings. That might make me shed a tear. And I'm telling you, there's a couple instances in the last two episodes of the new season of Cobra Kai, season three, that literally brought tears to my eyes. That's how good the story is and the acting is because they have all the original characters and they kept the storyline. It's fucking great. If you haven't seen it, Watch it. And if you don't like it, then you aren't a Karate Kid fan. You aren't. And I ain't talking this Jaden Smith, Jackie Chan shit. That bugs the fuck out of me. There are so many amazing movies that came out of the 80s that should never be attempted to be recreated. Like Point Break, they ruined it. The remake. Total Recall, they ruined the original with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, The Karate Kid movie with Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith, horrible, horrible. I haven't even watched it. I don't need to, it's horrible. It can't be better than the 84 classic with uh, Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita, it can't be. There's no way, you know, it's like somebody trying to remake the 75 classic Jaws, or trying to remake the 73 classic The Exorcist, or they're going to try to remake uh, the 82 classic E.T. There's just certain movies that you don't remake, okay? And The Karate Kid, Point Break, and uh, Total Recall are, are just three quick examples of movies that you just... You don't need to remake, they are perfect, they are they are epic, you know? What are they gonna do in a few years? Attempt to, like, remake the Big Lebowski? Attempt to, you know, do a remake of Fargo? Like, you can't do a remake on those movies, they are epic and perfect on their own. You gonna remake, uh, you know, Forrest Gump in a few years or something? It doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Another movie I checked out, Uh, that was released straight to Netflix just because the cast in this movie is insane of just good actors and funny ass actors slash comics like Nick Swartzen. Nick Swartzen is hilarious in anything and everything he does. Danny McBride, one of the funniest motherfuckers to walk the earth. Aziz Ansari, Michael Pena, Fred Ward, and Jesse Eisenberg, they all are in this movie called Thirty Minutes or Less, and it's about a bank robbery and a pizza boy, and uh, it's it's funny. I wouldn't give it a you know B or a A, you know, but it it was it, it was entertaining. It made me laugh. You know, like I said, you know, I really wouldn't give it 8 out of 10 stars or 9 out of 10 stars. You know, I don't think it's going to go down in history as one of the funniest comedies of all time. But, you know, it's got a great cast, and it was definitely funny, and it was entertaining, and I enjoyed it. So if you're looking for something to watch and you have Netflix, go out there and watch the comedy 30 minutes or less. The last thing I want to talk about really quick, I want to talk some shit about art. No, not Art Garfunkel or some dude named Art. Art, like the shit that you hang on a wall and you call art, specifically abstract art. I don't get it. I seriously don't, okay? There are some millionaires or billionaire just morons that'll walk into an art studio and they see like a five by seven canvas where it looks like a two year old just grabbed some paint, threw it at a canvas, and these guys will drop like two hundred grand on it. And it's like I don't get it. There's literally people that have hung like trash on a wall in a studio in Soho and some idiot billionaire will come in and be like, Hmm, that's an interesting piece of trash on the wall. 50 grand. It's dude, like Seriously, people like, will stick a banana peel to the wall in an art gallery and be like, that's art, bro. Like That's deep. It's like, no, you stuck a fucking banana peel to a wall. But this abstract art, I don't get it. Okay, If we're talking about Leonardo da Vinci, or we're talking about Van Gogh, the Starry Night, or the Mona Lisa, that takes talent. That's beautiful. But to take a blank canvas and just like paint three solid colors over it or just throw random paint at it and then charge a hundred grand for it it's insane i don't understand what makes abstract art that's literally just paint thrown out a wall. Or you guys have seen the painting. There's some famous painting out there, some abstract painting, where it's just like a two-foot-by-two-foot two canvas, and all they did was take like a green paint roller and then a red one. It's just a green stripe and a red stripe. That's it. It's just green and red, two colors. A two-year-old could do it. And people have it hanging in their house. It's like, you know, it's like a six-figure artwork. Explain it to me. Do you really think if I were to go out and buy a canvas and just take a just a fistful of paint and just throw it at a friggin' you know, is anybody going to pay 50 grand for that? Are you? But there are people out there that do it. I don't get it. Why? Is it because of the person that threw the paint at it? Is that why you're getting it? Millionaires or billionaires. If you're an art collector out there listening to this, do you have any of those abstract, weird, just paint thrown out of fucking canvas shit? Do you really give a fuck? Do you think anybody walks into your house and goes, "Man, the guy that threw paint at that canvas was must have been a real artist. Look at that; it's just beautiful." You know, for all for all he knows, a friggin' bum could have could have could have had paint up his ass and just pulled it out of there and threw it at a canvas, and you know that's it. Things that don't make sense to me like abstract art and the money that people pay for it just trips me out and I I, 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 I just get so worked up over it because it just just defies all logic and reason to me. Um, I don't know. I think that's all I want to talk about. Uh, Yeah, thanks for watching, I guess. I hope you had a good time listening to this horse shit. I don't know how this came out. I know I've been talking for 58 minutes, and it seems like I've only been talking for a couple, so I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. But thank you for tuning in for episode 66. I'm John Ayres. This is the Views from the John podcast. Maybe next week, maybe, we will get our co-host Josh Ryder back. We miss you, buddy. We love you. We hope everything went well with you today. Our thoughts and prayers are with you as you're trying to find your solitude, my friend. Um, So yeah, uh, you're welcome back on the show whenever it is that you are feeling better. So it could be me on my own again next week. And it might not. But we do have that special guest coming up in a few weeks uh, around episode 69. You guys are definitely going to want to tune in for that. If you guys are watching this on YouTube and you're still watching it, that is incredible. You deserve a medal. You deserve the sun basically, okay? But if you could do me one more favor and just hit that like button, if you're not subscribed, hit the subscribe button. That would would help out tremendously. Again, I'm John Erez. Thank you for tuning in to episode 66.6 of the Views from the John podcast. via Condeos, everybody. And uh, remember to get euthanized if you're looking old.